hello, hello, audience. We right. got a special guest for you. We got a treat. Right. Good afternoon, everybody. This is episode four of our podcast, Things My Mother Never Told Me. We got a special guest on with us today, Reverend Dr. April Y.M. Hearn and, and my lovely wife, Tina, is going All to right. introduce her. All right, then. Let me introduce her. We got Reverend Dr. April Y.M. Hearn. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's Psalms 34 and 1. Serves as the theme for the life and service of Dr. April Hearn. I tell you, she is a sought-after preacher, keynote speaker, and conference presenter for people of all ages and backgrounds. Dr. April, or Reverend A, as she's lovingly preferred to, uh, by the Congregation of New Prospect, was licensed in 2000 in Little Rock, Arkansas, and later ordained to the gospel ministry at New Prospect Missionary Baptist Church in Detroit, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And by her beloved pastor, the late Reverend Dr. Wilma Aaron Johnson in 2009. She, she has earned a BS degree in secondary education, specializing in biology and general science from Grambling State University in Grambling, Louisiana. A master's in the art of teaching from Mary Grove College and a master of divinity from the ecumenical <laughs> right. theological seminary. You know I practice that, right? Yeah, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Oh, the Lord has opened so many doors for Dr. April to enter in this ministry full-time in New Prospect. She uh, faithfully served under the leadership of, again, our Reverend Dr. Wilmar Johnson for 15 years. She functioned as the pastor of the Children and Youth Administration Assistant to Pastor Johnson and coordinator of ministry events and community projects. Full-time member of the pastoral staff at New Prospect. Yeah. In June of 2019, Dr. April Hearn was conferred the Doctor of Ministry degree from Ecumenical Theological Seminary. Yes. Her dissertation was titled Behind the Veil, Domestic Abuse in Christian Homes. Dr. April's desire is to empower the Christian community with the tools necessary to engage in what she calls dangerously brave conversations on the topic of domestic abuse, intimate partner violence. A strong advocate for speaking words of affirmation to one's own spirit, she can often be heard declaring, I'm a thermostat, not a thermometer. <laughs> All right, then. How about that? <laughs> Welcome, Reverend. Like How you doing? Thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you. You too. You too. Yeah, I'm impressed. Look, we were just talking before we started for the people in the audience, and, and you've been busy. I have. I have. I've. I've been. I've been busy uh, lately. Uh, I'm. I'm blessed that COVID doesn't stop us from being able to engage with one another virtually. So uh, I've done a few uh virtual interviews and conversations about the dissertation in addition to participating in some women events mm -hmm. um, uh, virtually and there are a few more uh events for women that are coming up uh later on this month and uh, i'm looking i'm looking forward to the doors that the lord is opening right. i was All just right. on a call on um uh, Monday, Monday with um, uh, her name is Muriel, and she is the host of what is called uh, an empowerment hour. She's an empowerment specialist, and she lives in Australia. And so there were uh -huh. women from across the globe, across the globe, who were having conversations about the uh, pandemic of abuse that is happening on every continent where there are human beings. Yeah. Oh, and it's good to know that um, you can have dialogue with women in other places and know that we're all experiencing or have experienced the same things. And so that connects us as, as human beings. That connects mm -hmm. us knowing that we're having this human experience and it's a conversation that uh, needs to uh, take place in uh, every place where there are human beings. This yes. conversation needs to take place. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And uh, the, the event is coming up. It's next week, right? You can go ahead and, and, and tell them about it if you want to. 
Okay, uh, next week, um, uh, beginning on the 12th, you can still uh, go online. If you uh, check out Donna Izzard, Donna Hicks Izzard on Facebook, um, or if you click on uh, Unstoppable uh, Black Woman, the Unstoppable Black Woman, you uh, type that in. Uh, Donna Hicks Izzard is a, um, she is a motivational guru. Okay. And she is all about empowering her black sisters to embrace our bees, yes. that we are bold, we are beautiful, we are brilliant. Yes. And uh, she created the Unstoppable Black Woman Movement. And so on next week, she invited myself along with, uh, I believe there are five other women who are presenting uh, via Zoom. All and right. you can go online to Unstoppable Black Woman Movement, or you can go online and click on um, or, or uh, type in Donna Hicks's art, and it should come up uh, if you do it through Facebook and you're mm -hmm. able to go on and register. It's still time to register, and it's open to all uh, of our Unstoppable Black sisters. You're gonna learn about how to be unstoppable and win. It's about winning. So winning in business, winning in life, winning in love, winning in relationships, yes. uh, winning with God. And so all of those various topics are, um, are going to be taught by various speakers. And so we're, we're inviting people to come on, log on, come with us on this journey of being unstoppable. And she intentionally chose women who have gone through something yes uh, who have who have survived something and not just survived it but you've but you've thrived mm -hmm. in your survival you you've become more than a conqueror so she's selected women like myself who've been through a whole lot of stuff and so we went through our bag of stuff and formulated mm -hmm. these these messages about winning uh, for the unstoppable black woman movement Right. I like that word, unstoppable. Unstoppable. Yes, unstoppable. unstoppable. Black yeah, women. Yeah, y'all right. Yeah, y'all trying to take over the world right now. <laughs> you haven't heard. We've got heard. Thank you. <laughs> That's why they're trying to stop us. <laughs> you haven't heard. Right, Who would have thought? Right. And so, blame right. so, Jesus. Right. So right. today, today we're going to talk about uh, your your doctoral thesis to. Uh, Domestic abuse. Now, is it is it in a Christian church or Christian home? In the Christian home. Christian home. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the Christian home. Yeah. Yeah. I that was the, that was the focus. Right. Yeah. I don't know why I wrote that. And so you just said something. I was going to say for later on, but because you brought it up now, you said you you've been through some stuff. Yes. And so knowing that you're an ordained uh, ordained minister, a uh, reverend, and now you're a doctor, mm -hmm. and so. There's a song that you usually sing called uh, uh, Change My Name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, I was thinking that, you know, when you sing that song, I, I, I look at how that song mirrors your journey. Yes. Because yes. We, we can say that your name was victim. Yes. And now, yes. You're, and now your name is Victor. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And yes. so that, that's why I said what I wanted, because I wanted that, to ruin that, it. That song, um, that song is a Negro spiritual. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the women, uh, female preachers, pastors, uh, who I admire and who I've, I've followed uh, is the Reverend Dr. Claudette A. Copeland mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. out of San Antonio, Texas. And many years ago, many, many years ago, uh, Dr. Copeland released a CD. I love to hear her sing. Her, her, her voice is, it penetrates the, the, the soul. Um, many years ago, she released um, an, a, a CD. And on that CD, she sings, told Jesus, change my name. Amen. Mm -hmm. um, and the words I told Jesus, be all right, change my name. Mm -hmm. and, and he told me, uh, mother won't know you, child. If yeah. I change your name, yeah. uh, he told me friends will turn their backs on you if I change your name. But then, then, then the person then responds. But I told Jesus, yes, be all right, be That's all right, right. yeah. Right. And and I sing that song because people tend to see the presentation mm -hmm. of the preacher. They see the presentation of the preacher. They see the strength of the vessel and they don't know what's behind the veil. Yeah, yeah. 
they don't know the journey they don't know the struggle they don't know um how much tenacity it takes yeah. um they aren't aware of the tears that you cried by yourself because there are times when family won't know you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. There are times when friends will turn their backs on you. There are times when you will cry sometimes. Yes. But you have to remember what you told Jesus. Hello. Mm -hmm. There you mm -hmm. go. You told Jesus. Yes. Be all right. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you change my name. So that, that, that song has been, ever since I heard her sing it, Mm -hmm. uh, that song has been my personal theme song. I, I tend to sing it uh, before I preach. Um, I sang it for years before I would preach. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I sing it at home uh, and I can never sing it without without there being tears, without there being some type of emotional response right. from me because no one knows better than I and God mm -hmm. what it what it took and what it takes to stand behind that sacred desk. No one knows the journey. You read the bio and the bio sounds so good. <laughs> yes, it, it sounds, it yeah. sounds so good. Say, say, look at her, hey, she's doing the thing. <laughs> like, oh, oh my goodness, it sounds so good. You look, just that's from this to that, then this and that. I know. It, it sounds like, good. Yeah. And no one knows, no one knows the scars. No one knows um, the shattered, the shattered uh, dreams. Mm. No one knows how you had to sift through the rubble of your existence mm -hmm. and find those gems that only God can work with. You know, I, I promised myself I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna <laughs> preach tonight, but I just, you know, no one understands. Yeah. No one understands better than you and God. And that's true for every individual. Mm -hmm. every no one individual. knows your story. That's when, right. No one knows your story. When we step out into the world, the world sees what we present, yeah. the person that we've put together before we step out the door. Mm -hmm. But no one knows better than that individual and God all that it took Yes. Just to step out the door. Mm -hmm. right. And right. so while our bios sound real good, uh, <laughs> God knows and April knows the yeah. journey that it took to, to put all that on paper. And, 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 and that's why they sound so good. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> that's why well, the word says he makes all things work. Right. That's right. The Lord Ooh. will make all things work. All yes, things work. yes, yes. It's yes. got yeah, when it sounds good, that means you you done been through some stuff. Yeah. To get to that good. So yeah. So uh well, you know, before I get into the into, into the meter thing. Excuse me, because you went to a HBCU. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes. Yeah. Grambling State University. Right, right. The and place so, where everybody is somebody. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know that's one of the things that we want to express to we want to uh, stress to the folks that are listening, especially for the young folks out there, because mm -hmm. you know you uh, you didn't go to high school in Detroit, right? You went down. No, no, no. I'm a product of Detroit Public Schools. Okay, um, I went. To, I'm a graduate of Osborne High School. Okay. Um, when I was when I was in school, um, there were three schools within the city um, that had college prep mm -hmm. tracks. Yeah. So, I mean, outside of Renaissance and Cass Technical High School, there were there were three other schools in the city mm -hmm. that had college prep tracks. Right. And Osborne was one of them. Okay. And it was called the Omega program. And um, so I'm a graduate of, of Osborne High School on the east side yeah. of Detroit. I'm, I'm, I'm an east sider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even right though um, I, I, I always say that I'm, I'm a southern woman with, with, with roots in the city. Mm -hmm. Or I'm a city girl with southern roots. Mm -hmm. They go back and forth because um, my maternal grandparents, my mom's parents, had me from the time I was six months until I was four and a half. Mm -hmm. And then my parents brought me to uh, Michigan. But every Christmas, every Easter, every summer, Mm -hmm. Every summer, I was back in Mississippi with my grandparents and my family. So when when it was time for me to uh, graduate from high school, I couldn't wait to go back home. Okay. I was leaving the city and I was never coming back. <laughs> I was ne when I say never, I was never coming back because the South is home to me. Okay. Uh, that's where my family uh, is from. And uh, I love the South. And so when I, you know, plus my mom is a graduate of an HBCU. She went to okay. Auburn State University. 
And so um, my mom said to me when it was time to pick a school that her money would only pay for an HBCU. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so uh, I already had family at Graham. Mm -hmm. And um, so when, when it was time to graduate, I graduated in June and July. I was in Mississippi. Good. All right. <laughs> I and was you, gone. And, and I brought that up because I, I think it's really important that these young folks know that you can be DPS. Yes. Yes, you can. You can go to HBCU. Yes, you and, can. And you can still do great things. Yes. Yes. And, and I would even say, I would even say to uh, the young people who may be watching, uh, there are stellar HBCUs. Um, there, there is no experience. I don't care where you go. Right. There is no experience like the experience you will have on a, a historically black college or university campus mm -hmm. because you see you and you're taught by those who look like you. The majority of your instructors will look like you yes. and they are vested. They are vested in your success. And in many regards, they are harder on you mm -hmm. than anything you will experience at any other university because to them, you represent them. Yes. When you go out into the world, you represent them. I, I have to share this. At, at Graham, you know, uh, it was a school that was founded for the uh, development of educators. Mm -hmm. And so it began as a school that the college that only produced teachers. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that was Gramlin's claim to fame. It, a lot of people think it's bad. It's football, but it's not <laughs> football. Uh, <laughs> it is one of the best schools to attend. If you want to learn how to become an educator, mm -hmm. it's one of the best schools to attend to the point where um, you couldn't take your upper level courses unless you pass certain parts of the national teacher's examination. Okay. Because Gramlin's claim to fame was when you left Grambling, you could go anywhere and teach okay. because you'd already passed the natural, national teacher's examination. You mm. were already certified to teach. Mm. And so when I left Grambling, I left Grambling and graduated in December. I had a job January 3rd. Mm. All right. Because All right. I was already nationally certified. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So I would say to young people who look into your HBCUs, look into Howard, look into Hampton, look into Gramlin, look into Xavier. Um, you know, they're our rivals, but I'll even say look into Southern. <laughs> look into yeah, Southern. Go. yeah, give them a shout out. <laughs> look into Southern, you know, look into FAMU, no, uh, Alabama State. Look at, look at, look at your HBCUs. Yeah. You know, look, at, look at Tuskegee. Yes. Um, some of the most phenomenal people in these United States have attended historically black colleges and universities. And mm -hmm. I'm proud to be one of them. Amen. 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 All right. All right. So, so now that leads us into, cause I got something for you later too, but okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. let's, let's get down to, to, to the business at hand. Yes. You, you did some serious studying about this domestic violence thing in, in yes. the Christian home. And uh, we had the, the honor of, of attending some of your uh, workshops, yeah. and then and and then the defense of your of your thesis. We we went to all that, and it was beautiful. So, come on, tell us tell us what you got, because I know it had to be hard to even deal with stuff like that. It it was it was um, I I knew when it was time for me to pursue my doctorate of ministry. I already knew what I wanted to study. When you, when you decide to pursue a doctor of ministry degree, it is a, a practical degree where you are working on an issue. You're working to address a problem. And then you create uh, or you formulate a question for mm -hmm. the problem or to, to address the problem. And then you must research that, that, that issue and then um, create create a study or put together a study or a method of study in order to answer the question mm -hmm. or to address the question. And my question was, uh, how would a series of workshops on the topic of domestic abuse in Christian homes, um, it, would, it, would it impact those who attended these workshops? How might it impact them? Would it increase their awareness? And so, um, when it was time for me to select a topic, I knew that that was my topic because I am a first and secondary survivor of domestic abuse okay. or what we'll, we'll call intimate partner violence. Yes. Um, growing up as a child, there was abuse in my home. And 
as a child, it has significant impact on your development. Mm-hmm. Because as a child, uh, you you see and you hear things or you become aware of things that are happening and yet you can't tell anyone Mm -hmm. because in the black community, we're taught whatever happens in the home stays in the home. So now you're putting a muzzle on a child, whereas the child is not allowed to say anything to anyone about what is taking place. And so a couple of things happen in the life of a child. One, the child is taught to lie. Mm So the child is taught to tell, to not tell the truth because they can't be honest about what's going on in their life and what's going on in their home. Uh, Secondly, as that child becomes an adult, um, they take on these personalities where they become people pleasers Mm -hmm. because they don't want to upset anyone. Uh, They want to overachieve. And so I've had moments in my life and and, um, my family can attest to it where I always wanted to be the best I always wanted to do my best mm-hmm. um, you, because you don't want to disappoint anyone. You don't want to mm-hmm. upset anyone. And so you overachieve so that no one uh, would look at you in pity or no one would see the cracks or chinks in your armor. Right. Um, you also develop various types of defense mechanisms. Okay. Uh, for me as a child, I would bite my nails. Uh, I wet the bed. Uh, I, also, I also was rather violent as a child Mm -hmm. and that personality continued into my adulthood. So when I am, when I'm angry about something, my first response is, is, is violence. Mm. I have to, I have to count. I have to, I have to calm myself. I have to um, hold myself back because my first inclination is to lash out, to break something, to hit something. Mm. As a child, I got into fights all the time. Mm. Uh, I, I wrote in the dissertation a, a memory, and it's amazing when you're writing something of, mm-hmm. of, of such significance and you have experience with it, when you're writing it, there are certain memories that have been buried right. yes. that, that rise to the surface. And I remember I couldn't have been in, in maybe the second or the third grade, it had to be the second grade or third grade. And I remember a, a little boy taking construction paper off my desk mm-hmm. and without any remorse. I walked over to his desk, took back my construction paper, but not before I slapped him across the face Mm. and walked back to my desk without any remorse. Wow. Oh my goodness. I felt nothing. Wow. I felt nothing. And that was just one incident of me fighting as a child. I would fight all the time. Um, the, the last time I, I put my hands on someone, it was a family member and I bruised her badly. Mm. It was as if I just, I just blacked out. And so for a person who's experienced abuse or witnessed abuse or been around abuse, you have so much tension inside of you that when you become angry, it's almost as if you, you, you become another person and all of the anger that was ever in you comes out in that moment. Oh my goodness. All of the anger that's been buried. And so I wanted to address this issue because I knew my family was not the first and I knew we were not the last. Yes. Right. Because as you grow and you get into other relationships, I've experienced firsthand abuse, but because it didn't look like the abuse that was in my home, Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was abuse. Right. But abuse takes on many faces. It's emotional. It is, it is, it is psychological. Uh, It is financial. It is, Mm -hmm. It is, it is technological. It is, it is coercion. And, and so it, we often look for the one indicator. We look for the violence. Right. And if the violence is not present, then we automatically think that yeah. there is no abuse there. But I found myself in relationships that were emotionally damaging to me. Okay. They were psychologically damaging to me. And so I knew that I was not the first and I knew I was not the last. And I was determined to pull the covers off of this monster. The statistic is, and you all know it because you sat in the, in the mm-hmm. courses, and I appreciate that, especially with you all working so closely with the married couples ministry at the mm-hmm. church, uh, because it is an issue that needs to be a part of our Christian education programming in all of our churches. Right. Yeah. And you and I talked in, about that. Yeah. yeah. In every church, it needs to be a component yeah. of our Christian education uh, coursework from the middle school children all the way through our married couples and our engaged couples ministry, our singles ministry, you name it. But um, 
as I was saying, the statistic is that one in three persons, be it male or female, one in three persons have experienced domestic abuse at some level, at some point in their lives. That's the secular statistic. Well, in Christendom, the statistic is one in four. So that means if you have 400 members of your congregation, 100 of them have experienced some form of domestic abuse at some point in their lives. Yes. That's not even counting the children, the little boys and the little girls. Mm. But one in four adults have experienced domestic abuse. And my argument is this, if that were cancer, if, if out of 400 people in your congregation, 100 of them have experienced cancer, have battled cancer, or are living with cancer, we would have all kinds of health programs. We would have experts come in and talk to oh, our yeah. congregations. We would have doctors come in. We would, we, would, we would set up rides to get you to chemo. We would come to your house and clean. If there were 100 people in our congregation that we knew had experienced cancer at some level, we would go out of our way to become champions in oh, the yeah. battle against cancer. Absolutely. Well, the statistic for abuse is one in four. Mm -hmm. And so we mm -hmm. sat quietly while, while, while we're dancing and shouting on a Sunday morning. You've got 800 people in your congregation, 200 of them mm -hmm. have experienced abuse at some level, at some point in their lifetime. And it's, and it's high time that the church uh, take the muzzle off of the pain and address the reality of what's going on. Otherwise, the message that we're sending is this. Because, you know, the church wants to keep families together. Right. Yes. But we don't want to talk about things that might cause families to need to separate or things that are tearing our families apart. And so what we're saying to the victim is uh, be quiet. And we'll rather have your funeral than see you divorced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because right. what we're doing was we're killing our congregation silently. Right. And, we, and want like, them, we want them to die silently. Right. And like you said earlier, that that especially I, I can't speak for the for the white community. I can't speak for them. I, I'm not one of them. <laughs> but for sure, our community has a real big problem with keeping our mouth shut. Yes. When stuff yes. wrong is going on around us. Yeah, which, which is why um, abuse, be it sexual, uh, emotional, physical, because this is one, this one thing that's, is, that's true, Damon, um, abuse never occupies a space in only one dimension. By that, I mean it travels in pairs mm -hmm. or it travels in groups. By that, I mean you never have physical abuse that is not coupled with emotional or mental abuse. Okay. Mm -hmm. You'll okay. never have sexual abuse that is without physical or mental, or mental. Mm -hmm. they, they, it, it always travels in packs it travels in groups and within the african-american community we don't want to go to counseling no we we don't absolutely want, we don't want not that's therapy and mm -hmm. and truth be told y'all um I, I had not even wanted to deal with the issue until I got into this program. And the first thing that they had the nerve to want us to do is write our spiritual autobiography. Mm. Well, well. I thought that I would be able to just write this dissertation <laughs> and do the research. And I, you know, maybe put in a couple little lines about <laughs> April and I'd be done. No, they want a chapter. Mm -hmm. a chapter about your spiritual autobiography. And so it's, it's, it's you writing about it, those experiences or those milestones in your life where you've known yourself to be uh, changed, transformed, or altered, and how the thing that you're researching has impacted you in those moments. Oh, yes. my goodness. Yes. And yes. so, y'all, let me tell you, the first, the first week of class, the first assignment was the spiritual autobiography, and they just wanted you to write a three-page spiritual <laughs> autobiography, which later turned into a chapter. But when I tell you I cried, mm. I, I was writing and crying and typing and crying <laughs> because there are, there are, there are, there are memories, yes. there are traumas that we lock away because we are taught, get on with it. I mean, come on, it's tough enough being Black. Right, right. It's tough enough being a black woman. You mean to tell me I got to be a black woman and I got to remember, I have to remember <laughs> those things that have wounded me or those moments that broke me from my childhood? Yes. Then yes. I've got to talk about, you know, I've, I've been married and divorced and then married and then divorced. And you, I got to talk about my stuff. <laughs> you know, it, it was by the time I finished with it, 
By the time I finished with it, I found it to be extremely therapeutic. And I would recommend to anyone, you don't have to be in a program anywhere or you don't have to write a dissertation to uh, write your spiritual autobiography. Mm. From your first memory, Yes. go back to your first memory as a human being in this world and write about those moments that impacted you uh, in the most profound ways. And then write about the stuff that wounded you, the things that blessed you, the things that made you most happy. I I could remember being, my first memory is being small enough to fit across my grandmother's lap. Mm. All right. I remember being that small. Wow. And so my, our, we, we can't just say that children don't remember things. Mm-hmm. Right. Children remember because they're little sponges. And so the, the idea of abuse in the Christian home is first take the muzzle off and let's, 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 let's stop being in denial because the fact is that it does exist. It does exist. And so now yes. that we know that it exists, let's have a conversation, which is why I call them dangerously brave conversations right. because you, you have to be willing to step on the edge of, 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 of wounding <laughs> some people's egos yes. in order to get your own deliverance. Right. Um, right. I cannot lie and say that this has not uh, driven a, re- a wedge uh, between myself and, and some familial relationships mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it has. Yes. But I, I, I suffer from nightmares into my 30s, mm-hmm. um, visions and memories that would pop up in my mind while I was asleep, you know, they were in my, my subconscious. And so um, my speaking out, my writing about it, my conducting workshops and talking to other women about their traumas, um, I was able to relieve myself from the nightmares by speaking them out Mm -hmm. and giving them to God completely. Right. There you go. Because the church has to move beyond, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you is not going to is not going to help someone who is who is living with a in a in an abusive relationship. Right, right. Because you can't just make it go. We can't just pray it away. You can't. You cannot pray it away. Yeah. And that goes for the the um the the victim and 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 the and the perpetrator. Right. Um. The abuser. Uh. The church also needs to have safe spaces for those who know that they have these these tendencies. Right. Um, because they can be men and women. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There, yeah. there are women who are also very abusive and, and there need to be safe spaces for both on both sides. And the church has a responsibility to do that if we right. be the church. Right. Right. And so with that, I, I, you know, it's kind of related to, but, and so what I, what I want to ask you was, have you found that when God places something on your heart, because that's the only way this could have happened is that he, he placed this on your heart years ago and, and you follow what he places on your heart. You find that, that it, it can put you in a position where you become, if you will, an expert in something. You don't have all the answers, but you, but you know enough about it to help people. Um, I think that I, I steer away from the word expert mm-hmm. right, right, because right. as long as you are a living, breathing human being, you are, you are, you are collecting information mm-hmm. and you're collecting mm-hmm. data. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only be an expert when it comes to the things I know about April. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because that's the only thing I know up close and personal. Okay. And so I can speak at length about myself and how I connect to this subject mm-hmm. and how I found many of the um, many of the of the of the of the writers uh, who I researched, I found that that many of them were speaking directly to me and we've had the same we've had the, some of the same experiences, but I'm not an expert with their experience. Mm-hmm. I'm an expert when it comes to my experience. Okay. Mm-hmm. What I believe is that God uh, can use each one of us 
and each one of our life experiences to be a blessing to someone else. I don't believe that each person is supposed to keep their mouths closed when it comes to things that have um, thrown us off course or things that may have wounded us. You have a wound for a reason. Yes. It is for you to tell your war story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because your story then gives courage to someone else to tell their story. Right. So the scripture encourages us that the strong should bear the infirmities of the weak. Right. Well, how do the weak know that we're strong <laughs> if we don't share what we've been through and what we've encountered? Right. That's right. Which, which takes us back to what we were talking about in the beginning, that the song that I love so much, uh, told Jesus change my name. Uh, that song means so much to me because I, 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 I am familiar Mm -hmm. with the lyrics being true to my existence. <laughs> and so um, there have been members of, of, of various congregations who've heard me sing that song and they'll say, I love when you sing that song because you're singing to me. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. I can only uh, sing to you because I'm singing to me. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> I'm actually singing to me. Right. Uh, I, I would say this, uh, Damon and Tanya, it takes, it, takes, it takes a lot of courage. It does to be to be vulnerable and to be transparent because we are so comfortable with the illusion of perfection mm -hmm. yes. we're so comfortable with things looking nice and neat mm -hmm. and life is not nice and neat yes uh, we're all told life at times is messy it is it is muddy mm -hmm. uh it is painful it's bloody yeah. uh it's filled with tears and we, we have to be comfortable with our own yesterdays. Yes, mm. yes. Because what the enemy will do is, is at, and it happens with abuse, and the enemy will take what you've been through and, and try to shame you with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Try to it. shame you with yeah. it. And then yeah. there's a sense of guilt, and mm -hmm. then there's shame. And where there's guilt and there's shame, there can't be freedom and deliverance. Right. They right. don't coexist. No, no. They no. can't. Without a doubt. Yeah, so so you, got you know when I um when I watched um you speaking to Muriel, you and uh, Dr. Martin, yeah. um, it, it it took me back to to my memories and my scars. Yes, and and that's when I felt like really I haven't gotten over this. Yeah, you're yeah. still following me because my uh I grew up in an, an abusive. Oh, my mother was married six times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, and like you said, with the alcohol abuse and yes. the physical violence and the, I mean, to the point where gunshot. Yes, yes. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, to, I didn't even want to get married. Yes. To, the, to that degree. And I would just want to say, when you opened up yourself to, uh, with this issue, how did your parents feel about it? Well... <clears throat> I had some very uncomfortable conversations with with both my parents, mm -hmm. um, my my father especially. And what he was not comfortable with initially with what I was choosing to talk about and choosing sure. to discuss. Sure. Um, neither was my mother. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother's words to me were. Uh, to do whatever God told me to do. Mm -hmm. um, with my father, I actually interviewed my father. Okay. And so our conversation was very clinical mm -hmm. initially yeah. because I had questions mm -hmm. about his upbringing, about what he learned, what he saw, what he experienced. And what I found was, which, which, which led me to, to, in my conclusion, uh, challenge the church is that those who abuse have been abused yes yes in some way shape form or fashion mm -hmm. and i found myself having um extended compassion towards my father because there were a lot of things in his childhood that he could not control mm -hmm. okay. he could not control when he was allowed to go to school mm -hmm. he was he was forced to go pick cotton and gather up pecans and, and go work in the fields when he should have been in school. Mm -hmm. 
when he should have been given the opportunity to get an education. Yes. And so when a child is not permitted to be a child, when a child is robbed of their freedom of childhood mm -hmm. and they're not allowed to be able to control some things, they then become adults who then want to control everything right, right. by any means necessary. Yeah. And one thing that my father has taught me is that it, it matters little how you start. It matters how you finish. Yes. Because um, my, my dad, although our relationship is still a, a, a work in progress, uh, we, we don't have the girl dad relationship mm -hmm. uh, that we once had. When I was a little girl, my dad was like, um, a hero to me, even mm. though there was violence in our home. Mm -hmm. um, my dad and I sang together all the time. Right. That's something we had in common because my mom can't sing, bless her soul. <laughs> um, but my mom can't sing. But my mm. dad and I would sing together all the time. Um, my dad is very skilled at taking things apart and putting them back together. I believe that if my father would have been given the opportunity, he would have been a master engineer. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. Because okay. he works well at solving problems, taking things apart and putting them back together, mm -hmm. which is where I believe I get a lot of my scientific uh, curiosity. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. Um, so we have those things in common. Uh, but the disconnect for us, the disconnect came when I couldn't see past what I deemed to be the monster. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't, I couldn't love that part mm. of him. After interviewing him, my heart was filled with compassion because um, I think the church does a horrible job. Mm -hmm. Our families do a horrible job at addressing uh, behaviors that we know are unhealthy. Yes. And when we see behaviors that are unhealthy, we need to speak out. We need to um, encourage our family members and our loved ones, our uh, fellow parishioners to get help. Men need to talk to men mm -hmm. about how to deal with their anger because in, in the African American community, uh, black men are only allowed to be either happy or mad as hell. <laughs> right. There is no in between for the black man. Right. Right. He's taught to be in control. He's taught to be the head and he's, he's not taught how to be compassionate. Right. And so our men need to do a better job of, of reaching out to their fellow brothers. The church needs to do a better job of being compassionate toward those who are, who are, um, who are displaying behaviors that are, that are, that are damaging, not just to those that, that the behaviors are imposed upon, but to the person themselves. Right. Because it takes that person a long time. For my mom, you know, I ask her questions like, why did you stay? Yeah. Why, did, why, did you, why, did, why would you stay? Um, my mom came from a background where when you get married, you stay married. Mm -hmm. right. It's that Southern mentality. Yes. Uh, when you get married, you stay married. Um, it's for better or for worse. And they don't, Many women don't realize the damage that you're imposing upon the children when you decide to stay. Yes. You would do your children a better service uh, by leaving and finding a place of safety for you and your child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. right. And, you, and you know, it's good that, that, uh, that you embarked on this journey because like a lot of the stuff that you just mentioned, somebody needs to say it. Somebody needs right. to get the conversation going because... Right. Otherwise, we'll, we'll do what we've always done it. And, and, you know, to our listeners out there, it ain't just the black church. It's not. It's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's, not. Church, it's church, period. It's church. It's church, period. Yeah. And yeah. it's not just Christian. Right. It's not right. just Christian. There are many of our Muslim sisters, especially, um, who, who undergo horrendous yes. types of abuse mm -hmm. at the hands of the men in their family. Yes. Mm. Um, I mean, think about it. When was the last time you saw an unwed Muslim female? Right. It's not tolerated. Mm -mm. Kick out the family. Yeah, they kick out it, the family. It. It. Uh, our 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 Muslim sisters, um, our 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 sisters in the Jewish community, um, 
it and the conversation that I was having that, that Tanya listened in on the other day uh, was with a uh, with women from around the globe and and Muriel uh, is a native of Africa. She lives in Australia. And so her podcast is broadcast in maybe six different time zones. And um, the conversation we were having was about the pandemic of, of what in, in, in my research is called gendercide. Mm-hmm. There, there's a book that's called The Bible and Gendercide. Mm. That there is an assault on women and girls across the globe. Yes across the globe where you are in danger just by being born female, mm. just by being born a girl. Yes. Uh, you're not seen as being, as being, being worth much. And here in the Americas, uh, women are reduced to, to their bra size and their hip size. Mm-hmm. Um, women are, are subject to men. Um, if, if, if Hillary Clinton were born Hilliard, mm-hmm. she would have been president. Easily. 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 Um, and the sad part is that women tend to be most hard on other women. And so it's not just uh, the men folk who look at us and see us as being less than. There are women who are convinced. Right. That women should not hold places of high authority or that women are held to different standards. I I deal with it in ministry Mm -hmm. where there are women who don't feel as though women should hold high positions in ministry and they hold you to a, a standard that no one can reach. Yes. They hold you to standards that, that no one can reach. And so there is this global gender side that is happening uh, against women and girls around the globe where women and girls are abused. They are murdered. They are kidnapped. They are, they are, um, they are, they are victims of sex trafficking and no one's, no one's, no one's marching in the streets. No, no. No. About all the girls who are just disappearing on the rock. They're not marching in the streets about all of the women who, who are being battered right now. Yeah. There are more women dying at the hands of someone who said they love them than women who die of cancer. Mm. Wow. Yeah, it's just- and we're not having the conversation. And so my argument is... Um, are, are are we are we are we the church? Are we the church? Right. That's right. Because the church's job is to be a place of healing and wholeness for those who are wounded, who who are battered, those who are broken. Yeah. And uh, if that be the case, we 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 have churches that have all kinds of ministries, thirty mm-hmm. something ministries, fifty mm-hmm. ministries. How many of them are dedicated to abuse and the victimization of men and women? to right. give them a safe place. Yeah, exactly. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I remember when I was in my uh, minister's training class, when you, you were teaching us and you had us read a book, The Dark Side of Leadership. Yes. Well, you, you, and for those who don't know, it, it talks about the things that make us great are often the things that cause our downfall. And, it, you know, in listening to you, if, if we don't figure out a way to have this discussion and then change, because this discussion yes. is, by itself is not enough. Yeah. Correct. We got to have to invoke some change. Then we're going to destroy ourselves. Correct. As a church, as a church, as 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 a race. Correct. Correct. I I I propose that one um, places of worship become more intentional. Yes. About providing uh, advocacy Mm -hmm. for those who are experiencing abuse whether that's formulating a ministry or connecting your ministry with an outside entity or an organization that provides support and refuge yes. so that when people come forward, you can direct them uh, yes. to a place of safety. You can direct them to a place of counseling for both the victim and the perpetrator. Secondly, uh, again, I, I, I admonish uh, religious leaders to add that to your educational programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It needs to be a part of your programming because it starts at early ages with little boys slapping little girls on playgrounds. A lot of our children who are displaying uh, behavioral issues and behavioral problems, all of it's not cognitive. All of it's not due to an, uh, a um, chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chemical imbalance. Some of it has to do with exposure. Yeah. 
Yes. And so children who tend to be violent have been taught to be violent right. or they've witnessed violence or they've experienced violence. And there are statistics that even uh, that even suggest that in the womb, if the mother is being abused and the baby is in the womb, there is trauma that is happening to that baby in the womb. Yes. I believe yes. it. And, and I believe it. I because believe the baby it. still hears, that baby still feels in the womb. Yes. Mm. And so we, we have to we have to begin teaching. Uh, how to value one another and yes. and my you know you all have been in the class so my 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 thing is let's go back to Genesis let's go back to the creation mm -hmm. narrative and let's talk about the fact that man and woman were created in in God's image and God's uh, likeness mm -hmm. and and God gave us dominion over everything that God created except one another mm -hmm. so if we can go back to that place and teach it properly, understanding that each man, each one, man and woman, were given gifts and talents that need to be respected by both. Mm -hmm. That that both men and woman need to respect uh, the the and respect with dignity. Yes. The the differences, the 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 value, the intuition, the knowledge, the wisdom, the gifts and talents that both parties bring to the table and see one another as God's creation. Yes. Because if I can see you as God's creation, then I can't put my hands on you. Right. That's right. That's right. Because you are created by the same God who created me. So I can't put my hands on you and you can't put your hands on me. Let, let's, let's stop saying, you know, well, well, I'm violent because this person did this or right. I'm violent because this person did that. Each person is responsible for their own for their own behavior. You're responsible for your own response in, in the midst of a thing. And if you find that if that violence is your first response, then you need to back up and take a good look at yourself. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. Because that other person is not responsible for how you're responding. Right. That, that's a self-job. That's an internal job. Mm -hmm. That's between you, God, and the Holy Spirit. That means you need to ask God to work on you. And, and that, that's another thing. Uh, we can't leave out the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. Because it takes the Holy Spirit to do some transforming in our lives. Once we, once we stop denying, once we acknowledge it, once we get some knowledge, okay, now Holy Spirit, show me where I can change mm -hmm. and help me to expect and help me to to accept the truth about me. Right. It, it took me a lot, y'all, to accept the truth about me because you know I I had to accept the fact that in both of my marriages. Um, People who had secrets were drawn to me because with me, their secrets were safe mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. because I had secrets. Right. Right. And so it's only at a place where I am, am, am willing to live my authentic self mm -hmm. and, and be my authentic self and not hide behind some facade. Uh, it's only at that point where I can demand that someone come to me whole because I'm whole. Right. Mm -hmm. When we're broken and we haven't asked God to work on our areas of brokenness, yeah, people will come to you broken because with you, their brokenness has found a home. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Mm. And you know, it's funny you said it's that too about deep it. for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, look, that's why we still. That's why he let us still wear masks now. We still so broke. <laughs> look, we we have to get to a place. We have to get to a place where. Um, we we got to look at the ugliness about ourselves I because the, I had you know and I I went into I went to counseling after you know I was divorced the second time and I went to counseling and the first thing that um that the counselor said to me was what what did these two individuals have in common with you mm -hmm. and at first I was offended like girl they had nothing in common with me <laughs> they I don't have nothing in common with them right, but right. the truth be told. They they had secrets that found a home with me because I was not willing to admit those 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 areas of brokenness. Look, I'm writing the dissertation and and all of a sudden I knew it was in me, but all of a sudden the memory of being a victim of date rape while in college came back to me. Mm -hmm. A secret that I had buried mm -hmm. and uh, and forgotten all about. I refused to acknowledge it. Right. right. I told no one. Yeah. I told no one. Right, but it didn't go away. It was still there. It, it was mm -hmm. still there. And it's not until we take a look at, like, like Damon was talking about, the, 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 uh, the, the, the dark side of leadership. Mm -hmm. When you start, that, that book changed me. Yes. 
years ago when I started reading that book, when you take a look at your dark side and acknowledge your dark side so it won't keep creeping up on you, that not only then gives you a gives you a um, a deeper relationship with God the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit, but now the enemy can't hold that stuff against you. Right, mm-hmm. and that's the key. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like uh, I was looking at somebody who was talking about the uh, the movie Eight Mile mm-hmm. when when they had the real rap battle, and you know mm-hmm. they was, they diss each other, and at the yeah. end, and at yeah. the end, yeah. Eminem got up there and dissed himself. He dissed himself, and, and he said, mom, "Now tell them what you know no, about. Yeah, tell, tell them, them what, tell them what they don't know. Tell them, them what they don't know about me. Mm-hmm. Ain't got, ain't got no, and no ammunition. You have no ammunition. No. So you disarm the enemy by by taking inventory of of all the things that have uh have have helped to create you to be the individual that you are because it's all it it all works for your good. Yes, yes. it does. It, it, yes, God it does. God God creates a beautiful masterpiece mm. out of out of these fragments. It's it's right. almost like a patchwork quilt. It's right. just pieces, but when God is is working on it, yeah. it it becomes a beautiful a beautiful masterpiece. Right. And you know it's funny how we we love free will so much until we get caught doing something wrong. And then it's somebody else's fault. Then it's someone else's fault. Someone else's fault. Yeah, someone else's fault. When you should take responsibility for your own stuff. You did it. Go ahead on up to it. You did it. You you was big and bad when you did it, and I accept it. Own it. Only way you can fix it. Right. Okay. Okay. I got a question for you. Okay. (laughs) I asked I asked everybody this question, and with you, I'm halfway scared to ask the question. (laughs) Okay. Well, well, the title of the podcast is "Things My Mother Never Told Me." Mm-hmm. And so I ask everybody, is there something that you discovered later in life, and with you, I already know one thing, mm-hmm. that uh, that impacted your life in some kind of major way that your mother never told you about and you wish you had? Yeah. Um, my mother is from a, a, a deeply Christian family um, that believes in wearing pearls and going to church and you don't talk about becoming a woman. Okay. So my mother's instructions to me about becoming a woman was filled with a bunch of don'ts and you better not. Yeah. She didn't talk to me about relationships. She didn't talk to me and maybe she didn't know how. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she didn't know how. But she never talked to me about relationships. She never told me that you don't have to say yes to the first person who asks you to marry them. Um, she 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 never told me. She never told me that I could tell her anything. Mm-hmm. I was I was afraid to fess up to some of my mistakes in life. Yeah. Um, I couldn't talk to my mother about my my sojourn into womanhood. I found I found refuge and I found an ear uh, in in having godmothers here and there mm-hmm. and some of my college professors and things of that nature um, who gave me ear and and would listen to me and give me advice and 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 I'll even I'll even say in in Pastor Jay mm-hmm. um, I found I found a place where I could talk about being a woman mm-hmm. because my mother never told me. Yeah. yeah. We never had those conversations. Right. And maybe she didn't know because nobody told her. Yeah. Right. Uh, all you did in Mississippi was you went to school and you went to church. Mm-hmm. And my mother went from living with her parents to living with, I believe it was her great aunt and from her great aunt to college and from college to being a wife. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know who she talked to about being a woman right? and she didn't talk to me about being a woman. <laughs> it was, it was trial and error. it was literally trial and error, blood, sweat, tears, mistake after mistake, after mistake, after mistake. Yeah. And I had to learn uh, over time to then determine the type of woman I want to be yeah. Yeah. based on my experience my mistakes mm-hmm. and my mess ups. Right. Ooh, right. you sound like me. Trial by error. <laughs> trial, trial, and I learned. I learned by trial and error yeah. how mm-hmm. to become a woman. It it was those things 
that helped define for me the type of woman I want to be. It even helped me to define the type of relationship because I believe the Lord is sending a husband because mm-hmm. I'm wife material. Mm-hmm. I believe the Lord is sending a husband. Amen. That's right. That's right. Amen. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I know the type of, of woman I am mm-hmm. and the type of woman I want to be. And I know the type of relationship I desire the Lord to send my way. But I learned that through trial and error of just getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. Right. Wow. And right. And, and, and the reason why I asked that question is because when I came up with the title for this podcast, it occurred to me, and, and I'll tell you my little brief story. I've, I've told it to them before. The, the last time I went to my mother's grave mm-hmm. was the day we buried her. Mm. And this year, 35 years later, July 3rd, her birthday, we went out there. Mm. And so it was like July 4th that I came up with the title for the podcast. Because I realized in 35 years, so much has changed in this world that my mother, there's a lot of stuff she never had a chance to tell me because she didn't know. Right. And like you just said, or didn't know how. I didn't know how. And so, right. So I don't, so, so people know, I don't ask the question because I'm trying to put mothers on the spot. Yeah. Right. You just put me on there. Because <laughs> I know my children are listening and they was like, yeah, my mother never told right. me that. Right. But it's just a matter of, <laughs> but it's just a matter I, of, I think, um, I think there's some conversations that, that parents are fearful of having with mm-hmm. their children because they don't know how, or they don't, they don't, want their children to see them in certain lights. Right. Yes. Tell me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want them to see you in certain lights. But if they see you in that light, then that'll keep them from bumping into things in the dark. I yeah. know, yeah. I know. Yeah. But yeah. Right. If they're able to see you in that in that light, yeah. you know, right. that, that stops them from and I don't I don't I never I have not given birth to a to a child, but uh my my younger cousin Toriana Jones mm-hmm. is is like my daughter. Right. I've been in her life since she was two years old. And there are some conversations I'll have in the car with Tori. She's like, mama, no, no, stop. <laughs> and I said, girl, look, I did it so you won't have to. Right. Yeah. Right. Like that, Jesus. She's like, mama, don't. Mama, yeah. stop. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, don't but to, to the parents out there, we have to do that because <laughs> the wake-up call I got was one day Jason told me I was – we was going on about something he had done. He was, he was, you know, he was a little ashamed of something he had done wrong. And uh, he said, well, you, you don't make mistakes. And I'm like, I'm like, huh? Oh, wow. And he said, wow. you don't, he said, you don't. And I said, what did you talk wow. about? I make tons of mistakes. The wow. one we talking about with you now, I made that same mistake. But the problem is, is like you were just saying, we put ourselves in a light to them that we're perfect. Correct. Yeah. That we're perfect. And so now they like just they're afraid of of our dirt. Correct. <laughs> if you will. If you will. Now I'm gonna say this and so we're gonna say this no so they hear it out out. Some folks out here on this line want you to sing a line from that song. What? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> you you listening a, to a couple, no, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> look, look, this this is why you know Y'all out there in Radio Land but acquit it. A couple, sure a couple people asked if Reverend A could sing a line of the song y'all were talking about in the beginning before you close out. <laughs> y'all not right. They not, sure aren't right. You know they're not right. You know y'all they're not right. right. I'll I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it for the people. There you I'll go. See. I so, so I still get my wish. Yeah. I think you sent something out there no. so that people will say something. <laughs> Well, I, I, by saying it, but, but let me say this, let me say this. I'm going to tell you, I believe with all my heart that God put that on my heart to have you do that. Cause I woke up at three o'clock this morning and I could not go back to sleep. And all I did was think about this podcast from three o'clock till I got out to bed at six 30. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Okay. I'll, I'll do it. Is, is there a, is there a format for closing or should I just. Go ahead and sing it. Then we'll, we'll, we'll run on out of here. <laughs> okay. Well, let me say this, and then you, you can sing us out. Okay. We want to thank you for coming and sharing with us. Yes, it, it was awesome. Do. And you know we could go for another two or three hours on this. this and you didn't great. open up a wound for me, too. Right, so I'm going to fix that. I'm going to work on that. Uh, go, write your autobiography. go write your spiritual autobiography. Right. Y'all, y'all check out on, on, on Reverend A's uh, page, Facebook page. She'll have information about the, the uh, seminar she's sitting in on next week. Uh, we'll be back next week. I still don't know who I'm, who I'm bringing on. I got a couple of young folks in mind. But it's been wonderful. It's been Thank you. Yeah. I want to let the people know that um, 
I'll be taking pre-orders uh, toward the end of August and into September for the release of the book, uh, Behind the Veil, Domestic Abuse in Christian Homes. And um, the release will happen in the month of October, which okay. is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. All right. All right. Wonderful. So it's in your hands now. Or should I say in your voice? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I told Jesus, be all right. Change my name. All right. Told Jesus, yes. Be all right. Change my name. I told Jesus, yes, be all right, be all right, be all right. I told Jesus, be all right, change my name. All right, wonderful, all right. wonderful, wonderful. Oh, you bless thank my you, souls you, with that you. one. Thank you so much. Love thank that voice. You Love so that. Thank much. you so much. Thank you so much. And I'm going to fix myself. I'm going to write that spiritual biography. And read it to your children. Oh, wait a minute. You yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. They wow. love hearing it. They, matter of fact, they're probably listening right now. <laughs> yes. One day, Tori sat down with my, with my dissertation, and she just sat there and read. Mm -hmm. So, yes, read it to your children or give them a copy yeah. so that they'll know all the things that assisted in creating the beautiful woman that you are. There you go. All righty. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little scared. See, you got homework and everything. Oh, no. Everything. See that? Oh, 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 I ain't bringing you back. The, the, guest, oh, no, the no. guest giving our homework. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything. We appreciate you so much. All right, she done froze up. Okay. <laughs> Take oh, care. that was we so good. Here. We out. Bye-bye.